0: Good morning. Uh, My name is Jeff Trude, in case you didn't know who I was. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, Also, I am the prayer team leader for Doug and Bethany Pearson, who are uh, missionaries to India, and uh, they just currently returned to India. So uh, it's good that they're back to India in Mumbai uh, with uh, a lot of those uh, beautiful saints that are there. And uh, I think uh, I... uh, Came to be, I, I don't want to say the word exposed, I came to know <laughs> Doug. I think it was about the second year that my wife and I first started attending um, Heartland. And I thought to myself, wow, uh, I'm really impressed. So then I started watching his uh, videos, uh, Grace Adventures, I think is what he called it. Saw him riding on elephants and, and climbing mountains in tennis shoes and stuff. And I thought, okay, this guy is a real deal. So I, I asked Randy about being a prayer team leader for Doug. And then later on, he's talking about this, this gal by the name of Bethany. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, here they are, they're a married couple. And so like, uh, uh, what was that couple, Aquilus and Priscilla in the book of Acts? Now we have Aquila and Priscilla here in India. So please give uh, Doug Pearson, our missionary to, to India, a warm welcome as he comes up and shares God's word.
1: Good morning. Pastor Brian Hedges called me and he said, hey, I'm going to the Dominican Republic. I need you to come to Harrisonville. And I'm so happy to be back with my, this is my home church. You know, when I get back from India, I like to hang out with you all. And, uh, you know, I was raised, me and Brian Hedges were raised together, you know, trained up. And then I was a part of this church from the very beginning. This church used to be a Bible study in someone's house. And I was here at that time back in, the year two, 2000, 2001, and we're so blessed to see this church grow through the last 20 some years, but you know what, I've been over in India for the last 17 years, we, 2006 or so we went over to India, and I went to India single and I came back double, you know, and Bethany, I found her over there, right, so we're, we're just enjoying the plan of God, and I have a lot of trials and, and our testings and our prayer requests that I want to share with you. But first, I want to get into the Word of God. We're going to pray because I have a message that God showed me something in the Bible just this week, like a fresh word, that God, because I was praying about this church, Heartland Baptist Fellowship, and I saw your church as I was reading in the Bible. I was reading a story that God put in the Bible. I said, And this is exactly what the people of Heartland Baptist are going through, some of you. And so I want to expose some scripture to you. And we want to ask God to speak because it's not about the missionary Doug today. It's about what the Bible is saying. The Bible has something to speak. And the Bible is speaking to you today. I'm just going to read some of it. And some of the verses of the Bible today, I pray that there will be a verse of the Bible that will jump out to you jump out of the page, and you'll say, yes, I need to claim that verse. I need to speak that verse. I need to pray that verse back to God and experience the power of the Bible in my life because I I need the same thing. You know, We go back to India September 5th, so in about two weeks we're back in India, and I need this verse for this next year as we go back for another year of India missions. And at the end of the message, I'll be recruiting some of y'all to come to India with us. I need some of y'all to come on a two-week trip to help me teach some of the orphans and the widows and some of the pastor trainings. I need y'all to come teach over there. And so I'm thanking God for this church. This is my home church. And so let's pray. Let's ask God to help us understand the Bible and speak through the Bible. So dear Father God in heaven, I thank you for Heartland Baptist Fellowship. We thank you for the Bible. Help us to understand your teaching, your word, what you're speaking to us in our situations today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, I grew up in Kansas City, my father was an atheist, my mother was a believer, but she was a quiet believer, and I grew up as an atheist, I was lonely, I was broken, my my family was a broken place where my father was angry quite a bit and and. The, the family didn't have a lot of peace and there was a lot of struggle in the home. And I remember feeling pains and emotional pains as a youth. And I met Christians in my government school. It was Christians who came to my school and started preaching Jesus to me. You know what they did? They used to bring their Bibles to school and they would have their math book and their science book. And they would bring their Bible on top of their school books and they would say, come to our prayer meeting. And they had invited me to a prayer meeting in my own school. And there I got saved. I got saved because they invited me to a meeting. I didn't get saved in church. I got saved at the, the, at the prayer meeting, you know? A prayer meeting at a public high school. Can you imagine that? And see, that was a movement of God. But that's a movement of God that's happening in your life today. You are the light of the world. And wherever you go... Several of you, you have jobs and you work, you go to school. You are to take a boldness and a confidence in Jesus that you can take Jesus right where you go into the school, into your work. And you you go to your workplace and start a prayer meeting. Amen. So after I graduated from high school, I start. You know what I did? I did not go to college. I don't know. Maybe I made a big mistake. I, I just started working and but I went to Bible college. And I, that's how I met Brian Hedges. Me and Brian went to the same Bible college. And you know what happened? I started working for Phelps Tool and Die. You ever heard of Phelps Tool and Die? It's called Phelps Technology today. So I just learned how to work machines. But you know what I did? I found one other Christian who was working at my Phelps Tool and Die shop. And he was from another church, you know? But I didn't care if he was from another church. At least he was a believer in Jesus. So I said, I grabbed him. I, said, I shook his hand. I said, brother, you and me, we got to start a prayer meeting in this shop because we are the only light in the darkness of the people who are rejecting Christ in this shop. But if we would lead others, you know what happened? In four years, we led five people to Christ that I worked there, you know? So this is what I'm telling you. How did God prepare me to be a missionary? I started to learn how to be a missionary right here in Kansas City. Amen. And this is what's happening in this Bible story I'm about to share with y'all. It's the story of the book of Ruth, all right? Now, you're all going to be really shocked and surprised because some of y'all, you know the story of Ruth, right? And I put up one of the verses on my notes here today. The story of Ruth is a story of a revival. It's a story of a healing of a broken person. And there are some people here today, and I prayed this, Before I arrived here today in Harrisonville, I prayed this as I was preparing this message. I pray that I know there's some people here this morning. You are very broken today. And I can identify, I can feel your brokenness because I myself am very broken. You know what? I have been a missionary for 17 years. I've been walking with God for 36 years. And I've been a Christian for 36 years. But did you know what? Last night, I spent time with my family, and you know my family is just as lost as they were 36 years ago. My dad is still not open to God, you know? I mean, I keep praying for my father to get open to God, and he's not, you know? And my, some of my, my nephews, my cousins, my all, all these people in my family, most of them, if some of them claim to believe, believe in God, but the way they live, they have no... They don't don't have any affection for God, any desire to serve God, any call of God. You know, and I spend time with them, you know, and I realized something last night. I felt so broken about my family, you know, my human family on the earth after serving God, but my family still doesn't serve God. Doesn't that break your heart sometimes when you think about the people in your life that you wish that they would start serving God? And sometimes... When you spend time with them, if they're not serving God, then you also feel like not serving God, you know? If you spend too much time with people who are carnal and just thinking about things of the world all the time, it rubs off on you, doesn't it? And you know something? Ruth had to go through that. You know, there was a pain that Ruth had to get healed from, and there was something she had to get delivered from, because in the story of Ruth... Now, let me check with you, this congregation. How many of you all know the story of Ruth? Raise your hand. I know the story of Ruth. Everyone knows, right? Now, there's a few of you that don't know. But th- this is going to be the key verse. We're going to bring out, why is this verse on the screen so powerful? Because, you know what? You know what the problem is? A lot of people read the Bible, and they think it's a boring book. They go, oh, i got to read my Bible today. And, and they, oh, Ruth chapter 2, and they read, It's just like a details history. Did you know every word in the Bible is breathed by God? There's something powerful behind it. But you got to dig. you got to dig deep to find out what is the meaning of this. Because if you just read this verse, Ruth says, she requested, let me now go to the field. I shall find grace. That sounds like a boring verse, doesn't it? But it's not a boring verse because if you understand the background of her story and you understand the meaning of those words, That verse should set you free. That's a psychological, emotional, spiritual healing verse to give you a purpose for your life. Because who is Ruth? Ruth is a Gentile sinner from a a sinful tribe. What was the name of her tribe? The Moabites, right? And she meets the plan of God for her life and she gets rescued. Boaz is a picture of Jesus Christ and she gets rescued from her past. But how does God set up Ruth for success? The same way God is going to set you up for success today, even though you have pain, you think about your life today and you might have, you might feel bored with your life, you might feel painful about something that happened in your life, something in your family. But God's going to set you up for success the same way He set up Ruth. But you know something? It's going to cost something. You know what it cost Ruth? Ruth gets married And she finds a good husband, but her husband dies. And Ruth has a good mother-in-law, but guess what happens to the father-in-law? The father-in-law dies, and the other younger brother dies, right? So Ruth has to experience loss and death first before she experiences revival, amen? I think some of you could tell me this morning that that is what happened in your life, right? You experienced loss and death, and then God came to your life. But some of y'all today, you're too young to talk about that because some of y'all today, you're still young, and you haven't experienced some of that loss. But everyone in their life has to experience loss to realize that if you embrace heaven and Jesus, the heart of Jesus, you don't lose anything. Because when you have Jesus Christ... You've given everything all over to heaven already. And when someone passes over to heaven, hey, it's nothing because you're ready to go to heaven yourself. Like we're all going to be in heaven one day together forever. And life is not about having everything now. You know, most Christians want to have everything now, don't they? They want to have their big house. They want to have their nice family. They want to have all their safety. And they want to have all their insurances covered so that nothing happens to them, right? And you know what some people do? When God is calling, right? We come to the church and God says, serve Jesus, serve the kingdom of God, right? We hear words from the Bible. God says, serve the gospel, make Bibles, go and distribute Bibles in all of the world. And we hear callings like that. And we say, oh, I don't know. I can go to church on Sunday, but you know what people do? They tiptoe through life. You know, people who tiptoe, like they want to be safe right? You ever met that person who the the number one concern of their life is safety, safety. I hope everything goes exactly smoothly and no problems happen. And they say, oh, I hope that doesn't happen. Oh, 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 I hope that doesn't happen. I need need to make sure that I'm safe from that. And they don't want to risk anything. You ever met people like that? They don't like to risk their life for Jesus Christ. So you know what they do? Some people are tiptoeing through life so that they 'll make it safely to the grave right that 's the end of your life, right? What is the end of your life? The grave? So people do this, they go, "Oh, I hope that doesn 't happen. Oh, I hope that doesn 't happen. Oh, oh great it 's the end of my life. I live my life, and now I made it safely. Let me just lie down in the in the grave, and it 's over <laughs> Don't tiptoe safely through your life to just make it to the grave, right? Why don't you just risk your life and and start preaching the gospel and let people reject you, let people make fun of you, uh, lose your job because you're preaching Jesus Christ, right? Uh, have pain of relationship problems because you're always preaching Jesus Christ because they'll remember you, that you had confidence, you had peace, and they'll say, Oh, you know that person that I, I rejected them, but later they'll repent. You know, someone will repent and let's say, I remember how bold they were. And they'll turn to Jesus Christ because you have spoken Jesus so confidently. They'll remember your confidence. Amen. So if they see you're always worried about safety and you're not willing to risk anything, then they'll say, well, the Jesus Christ you serve is, is not really worth risking anything. Right. So Ruth had to risk. What did she have to go through after Ruth experienced the death of her husband? Then she was stuck with her mother-in-law. Amen. (laughs) Being stuck with your mother-in-law. Now, sometimes that can be a real blessing, right? But you know what this problem was? She was stuck with a mother-in-law who was bitter. You ever met a bitter woman? Amen. You ever met a bitter man? (laughs) Because, what did Naomi say? You all know the story, right? Naomi's the mother-in-law. Ruth is the, the they're both widows, by the way, right? They're two widows. And what does Ruth and Naomi talk about, right? I'm, I'm getting to the point, right? We're gonna get to some verses about the way you talk is everything about your life. So how is Naomi talking? Naomi says, oh, the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Don't call me Naomi, right? Call me Mara. Right. She said, I want to change my name because the name might uh, Naomi. What does Naomi mean? Uh, pleasantness, ple- pleasure, like happy, happy. So Naomi had a pleasantness to her. But she said, now I lost my husband. So don't call me pleasantness anymore. I'm not Naomi. Call me Mara. Uh, ch- change my name to bitterness. Right. You ever met somebody who wants to change their name to bitterness? I'm just going to stay in my bitterness. I'm just going to enjoy my bitterness for a while You know when you become a christian, you can no longer enjoy your bitterness There's some people who can enjoy their bitterness. They're called lost people, right? If if you enjoy your bitterness, you show you're not even saved Amen, because if you're saved if you've given your heart to jesus christ and you get bitter the holy spirit's gonna Chastise you the holy spirit's gonna grieve you so much to repent And the Holy Spirit, the Father promises to discipline you to get you to repent, amen? Because if God is not disciplining you, then you're not a child of God, amen? So say, God, thank you for disciplining me, amen? Thank you that you did something to wake me up, to shake me up, to get me out of my bitterness. And so something had to happen to Naomi, right? So that's where you come to the story of Ruth. So Ruth says to her bitter mother-in-law, she says, Where you lodge, I will lodge. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be what? My people. huh? And so Ruth says, I'm going to be with you, and I want to follow God. Ruth says, your God will be my God. Amen, right? That's how you finish it. Ruth says, your God will be my God. Because where does Ruth come from? Ruth come from a sinful people who didn't worship God. And that's the story of every one of you today. The, the story of Ruth is the story of your life, right? Before you met God, you were a part of a sinful tribe of people. Huh? What tribe are you from? The human race, amen. The human race are from Adam and Eve and they're worshiping the wrong God. And you're a part of that. And you should have a testimony that there was a time that you used to not worship God and then you started worshiping God. You were not saved and you got saved. By jesus christ. It happened to me when I was 16 years old when I was in high school, right? And jesus changed my life. I went back to my atheist father I tried to tell my atheist father. I got saved. Jesus is real. Jesus changed me. Jesus really died on the cross It's, it's not a fable. It's real. My dad said don't talk to me about that My dad said D- in this house, you don't mention that name jesus christ Can you imagine the pain I had when my father rejected my my peace and my excitement that I had? And you know what, to this, 36 years later, my dad still doesn't want to talk about it. Can you imagine the brokenness that I feel even after being a missionary? And I'm sure you can experience brokenness that you have family members that don't want to talk about God. Doesn't it just grieve you so much? They don't want to serve God. And you want your family to serve God. And sometimes if you spend too much time with your family, you stop serving God. And it's you know what, some of you all have a family problem today, just like I do. You know what god had to do to me and god had to do to ruth god had to separate them from their family For a period of time, right and ruth had to leave her people And she had to say the people of god are now my people and the moabites my my family's the moabites They are not my people anymore You know who my people are the people of god i'm going to follow naomi Even though she's bitter, but she she's bitter, but she she believes in the right god So i'm going to be with naomi And I'm going to follow God. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know my future, but I'm going to follow God. And the people of God are now my people. Did you know that that's the purpose for this church, Heartland Baptist Fellowship? This is your people. Do you you feel that? When you walk into the doors today, did you feel that? Hey, this is my people. This is my people. Huh? Do you you feel that? Now, some of you don't feel that yet. And we want you to, you know. When you come next week and Pastor Brian Hedges is in the pulpit, I promise you, when you hear Brian Hedges preach, you're going to say, Amen. That's my people. <laughs> you know, because Brian Hedges is one of the best pastors in all of the state of Missouri. Amen. In all of America. Y'all are blessed to have Brian Hedges. You know, I, I get to hear his preaching online. You know, I, I still don't miss it. But you know what? This is your people and you ought to, you ought to sacrifice so much to be in this church that you would rather be in this church than with your physical family. Amen. Unless, Praise god. Maybe you have a physical family that comes to church. I hope so Right, but this church is your spiritual family Did you know that your spiritual family in the kingdom of god is more important than your physical family now? God wants you to have a a healthy physical family But what did jesus say when jesus was calling disciples? He said I have come to bring a sword Right. You remember that promise? Jesus said I have come to bring a sword which is my truth And it broke Jesus' heart to say this to some of his disciples. Jesus does not take any pleasure in the family problems that we have. But what did Jesus say about our family? Jesus said, I've come to bring a sword of truth, and that sword will cut people in their relationships on who's on the side of Jesus and who's on the side of not being with Jesus. Amen? Who's serving Jesus and who's apathetic? about jesus who says they're serving jesus but they're not really serving jesus right and that sword will cut through that sort of discipleship who wants to be a disciple oh i don't want to go through discipleship that's a sword in your life who wants to follow jesus well i'll believe in him but i won't follow him that's a sword that's separating you where do you stand right and you know in your family today just like in my family being a missionary in your family there's a sword that comes every single day, every year, every time you get together. And that sword is reminding you the truth of God. And Jesus said what? My kingdom of God will separate father from son, mother from daughter, brother from sister, sister from brother, mother-in-law from uh, sister-in-law. He went. Jesus went through every family relationship and he said, it's going to divide every family member. And everyone in your family is going to be tested. Are they with Jesus? Are they against Jesus? And if they're against Jesus, you should keep loving them and keep praying for them and keep trying to help them. And if they ever need help, you should help them. But guess what? Don't spend too much time with them. Amen. If you spend all your time with your lost family. You know what? Your lost family is more important than the church. More like, oh, I can't go to the There's a bible conference in september where they're going to be making bibles, but i'm too busy I gotta go to the lake with my lost uncle, right? Like you're spending time with people who are not serving jesus and pretty soon you're not going to serve jesus And by the way, if you get married to somebody who's not serving jesus, amen This is what's going to happen, right? Ruth Has a pain of her family separation from her family and she has a bitter mother-in-law And she's hoping that God will provide. And this is the background for when you get to Ruth chapter 2, right? Now, the context of this verse I have on the screen is Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. If you have your Bible, I didn't put it on the screen, but let's get the whole context. Ruth chapter 2, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Ruth chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. It says this, and Naomi had a kingsman. A family member of her husband's, he was a mighty man of wealth. And he was of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, and this is what she said here on the screen. That's in my notes. I put it on the notes there. It says, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. So what's the point? She says, I want to go to work. Amen. I'm tired of being a widow, getting people's money for not working. Amen. I want to get to work. Amen. Did you know that when you're in emotional problems and you have uh, family problems, one of the best medicines for your own psychology is to go to work. Amen. Right. Not to sit at home and take welfare. Amen. That's not good for your psychology. But to, she, Ruth says, hey, Listen. Will you please let me go to the field and i'll go to work. Amen And she said when I go to that field I shall find grace. Isn't that beautiful? She's expecting grace. She's a positive woman She's like my wife every time I talk to my wife. She's positive. You know My wife is like a songbird in the house. She's my wife sings all day long Even though there's all kinds of bad things that happen to my she'll get sick people will reject her gospel and she'll still sing. You can never make my wife sad, amen? So my wife is just like Ruth, how that she has a positive attitude and she says, when I go to work there, I'm gonna find grace. Isn't that good that Ruth said that? Wherever I'm going to work, I'm gonna find grace there. Is that how you talk about your life? I want you to inspect your life today. When you talk about your workplace, when you talk about your future, When you talk about the details of your house and your finances, do you talk about grace? You say, you know what? I'm going to open up my checkbook because I'm going to find grace. (laughs) I'm going to open up my workplace and I'm going to go to work and I expect in my work, I'm going to find what? Grace. Amen. That's a positive outlook. You ought to speak like that. Amen. You ought to stop complaining. Amen. Right. Because most of y'all might speak negative. You ever met people that speak negative all the time? Don't they just get on you? Like, oh, brother, pray for me. I got this problem. I got that problem. And oh, when I'm, my workplace is hell, you know? And they just start complaining about this. Oh, I got this health problem, that health problem, right? And we get so focused on our problems, that's all we talk about. And we get together and we gossip, right? We gossip. Oh, did you hear about this person? They got this problem. This. Sometimes our prayer meeting is a big gossip session, complaining problems, and God's sitting there listening to our prayer, like, I'm not. I'm not listening to God. Will listen to your prayers, but God says I'm going to turn that prayer into something else. You know, God's going to, God's going to surprise you with the way that He answers your bitter prayers. Amen. So Ruth is saying, I'm going to go work, and I'm going to find grace. Now in verse three, she went to the field and she came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and it her hap it just happened that. She lighted upon the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And Boaz came from what city? Bethlehem. And said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless thee. And then Boaz said to his servant that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? That's what I said when I first met Bethany, right? When I first met my wife, I was a single missionary, right? I was serving Jesus over there in India. And God called Bethany to go to India, right? And I was praying for a wife. By the way, Brian Hedges and where's Randy Foster? Randy came to visit me. You remember when I was a single missionary? Did You you probably prayed for me to find a wife, Randy. All the time. (laughs) And you told Julie and Julie was probably praying. Because you got home from the mission trip. You said, yeah, we had a good time with Doug, but he sure used a wife, you know. And... So maybe it was because of Randy and Julie's prayers that Bethany showed up, right? Because she came to India, and we took a missions trip to Kathmandu, Nepal, and we were helping to Pastor Rajan with that that new orphan home they have there and all the different churches they have. So you know what happened? She had this big old luggage. She packed her luggage more than 50 pounds. And we were on a hill, and I said, hey, can I carry your bags, you know? So guys, remember that. Carry the girl's bag, all right? She remembered I carried her bag, right? So God put us together because she's from Maine. She's from the state of Maine, up there north of Boston. So how was I going to meet her except for to go to India? Amen. And so God will, you're serving God and God will put your spouse in the same place that you're serving God. But You know, most people make a mistake. They say, I will serve God if he gives me a husband first, right? If he gives me a wife first. First, amen. You ought to just live single, amen. Just be single. Huh? If you're just looking for a husband and a wife, you'd be better off single, amen. <laughs> because if you're just, if the purpose of your life is just to be married, that's not a purpose. The purpose is the kingdom of God. So if your purpose is the kingdom of God, guess what? You're going to marry the right husband and the right wife who is also serving God. But if you marry the wrong husband, you're going to be taken out of the church. Amen. Like, you think you're going to bring them to the church, but they're going to take you out of the church. You marry the wrong wife, it's going, to, it's going to take you away from the plan of God. But there is a redemption. If you get married and you feel like that marriage is not working, you stick with that marriage and God will give you redemption because God always gives second chances, amen? God always gives grace. If you make a mistake, God will forgive you and God will pick you up and say, I'm still going to use you, amen? There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ, amen? Because if you made a mistake, you, you stick with that marriage and God will bless you in that marriage and you will be a testimony of faithfulness even if you have a bad marriage, amen? Don't get out of the marriage. You stay in that marriage and you show the gospel through your love in that marriage and people will see the gospel in your life of how you love even though you made a mistake, God forgave you. And people will say, "Oh, you made a mistake," but God, see, people won't forgive you, but God will. Won't won't God forgive you? Amen. There's some things that you can tell God that you can't tell people. Did you know that you can try to confess your problems to other people, and they will like, "Oh, uh, I can't believe. Why did you do that? That mistake, right? Did you know when you talk to your when you talk to God, right, and you give your mistakes to God, God will never despise you. Amen. Huh? Sometimes. We hear so many despising words from our friends and our family. They they give us words of despite, they go, Ugh, you know, and when we approach God, sometimes we feel that God has that same spirit of despising you, but that is not God. Amen. Anytime you feel a spirit of despising, that's not coming from God, right? That's coming from the people that you know, Right. People who don't know God every time you tell your mistakes to God God will say Come on. I I understand your pain. Come on. Come Serve me. I'm going to give you a second chance I'm going to I'm going to surprise you with what i'm going to do Huh, even though you made a mistake. I knew you were going to make a mistake and i'm still going to use you amen Even though you made a mistake i'm still going to use you All right, so don't feel condemned if you made a mistake. Oh, I got married and I made a mistake no god Worked out your life in redemption. Amen. The redemption is after the mistake. God will raise it up as a beautiful thing. Through his grace. So what did Ruth experience right. Ruth is in the field. And she meets Boaz. Who's a picture of Jesus Christ from Bethlehem. And Ruth is a picture of the church. Boaz is a picture of Christ. And they get married. They, they're working in the field together. And so the ultimate picture This picture is not so much about how to get married, right? This picture is how to serve God. Because you are the church, and Jesus is your husband, amen? And Jesus, looking from heaven, is looking down, and he says, here's my field. What's, what's the field that Jesus is talking about? The whole world. Of who? Lost sinners. Did you all know that the field is not the church? Like this right here is not the field. So you can teach in church, right? That's not the field. The field is out there, right? You can teach Sunday school, and a lot of the children who come into Sunday school are still lost sinners, and you're leading them to Jesus. And that's the field. But the field is out there. So one mistake that we all make sometimes is we forget that the church is not the building, but the church is supposed to go out into the world. And so when you have church and you go into the park, I know you've done it many times, right? You've gone out to the park and you had church, right? And then you're bringing the church out into the world, into the field. We ought to do that more often. We ought to have times in our life where we go to the jails, we go to the homeless centers, we go to the women pregnancy centers, we go to wherever it is in the world, we can meet people and we bring Jesus. You know what we should do? We should go to places and sing. Y'all are such good singers in this church. If you all just sing, not in the church, but sing out there, you know, you know how when people do Christmas carols at Christmas, right? They knock on the door and then it's such a pleasant thing to have someone come sing Christmas carols to your door. Why do we only do that at Christmas? We should do that all throughout the year. There's praise songs that we could sing in certain public places in this, in in Missouri, right? We could go all over Missouri and just go on a singing tour (laughs) and say, we're the Heartland Baptist Singers people tell oh, you guys are a little bit out of tune, but, but then they'll see your joy, right? And that singing. So here, here's the secret. If you guys want to go out singing, just let Ron lead you. Okay. Like Ron, Ron can lead the singing as, as he's standing there and leading the singing. And then you can share the gospel through your singing in a public place, right? Right in front of the, go to Walmart and sing. Amen, Ron. So Ron's got that voice for anywhere. He's got a he can sing out loud in the middle of a Walmart parking lot. So this is what it's about. Ruth is going to the field. And what does she say? Let me go to the field. Let me go to the field. That should be your prayer today. Jesus, you are my Boaz. Let me go to the field. What is my field? Did you know, I'm going to shock you right now. Some of you all, your field is to go help the Hendricksons in Mexico. What's the name of that place in Mexico? Oaxaca, Is that it? Now, how many of you you've taken trips there? You've made Bibles for Spanish Bibles for the Mexicans. How many of you have thought about this, selling your house and moving to Mexico? Amen? Huh? <laughs> how about retiring in Mexico, Amen? And how about some of the college students? You know what? Some of our young people, you know what they're thinking right now, the, the people who come to the youth group here. They're going to graduate high school, and they're thinking, what college am I going to go to? And I'm going to get this degree, and then when I get this degree, I'm going to get a nice job, and I'm going to get a nice house, and when I'm in college, I'm going to get a husband or a wife, and then I'm going to have kids. You know what the young people of church should think about? They should think, you know what? I go to Heartland Baptist. They support missionaries in India. They support missionaries in Mexico. Right now, the pastor is in Dominican Republic. Maybe God wants me to go there, right? Maybe God wants some of our young people in high school and college to move to the Dominican Republic, to move to India with me and Bethany, to move to uh, Mexico. And how would they do that? You know, the only thing that young people need today is a one-year ESL degree, amen? You ever heard of ESL? English is a second language. You can It's called TESOL, Teaching English. To speakers of other languages. Did you know that if you get certified and approved to teach English, you could go to the Dominican Republic, you can go to Mexico, you can go to India, you can go to Vietnam. You know, there are seven people who were just sent to Vietnam from Midtown Baptist Temple last week. We we were at Midtown Baptist last Sunday and they prayed and they sent them off and they were all weeping tears because they're going to miss their friends are going to Vietnam, right? You know what they're doing? They're getting paid $25 an hour to teach English. Where? In Vietnam. huh? You can get a better job in Vietnam than America only by one year of college, amen? And not have all of your, what, what happens in college? Uh, college loans, amen? Right? Why don't you eliminate your college loan, get a one-year teaching English certificate, Sell everything you have and go over to Vietnam or go to Mexico or go to Dominican. What happened this week, right? Brian Hedges is in Dominican Republic right now. And we're going to hear a report from Steve Fleshman that they just started a new church this week. Amen. Right. <laughs> now, who's going to pastor that new church? The missionary, right? the, the Carters, right? But I'm sure the Carters could probably use your help. Amen. Because he's starting new churches. You could show up and be the new pastor of the new church. I mean, he's already got a church. Amen? Who wants to move to the Dominican Republic and help up raise more Salvador Perez's and all these kind of guys, you know? Is it, is, no, he's from a different nation, I forgot. Um, but most of these guys for the Royals are from the Dominican, right? Let's not raise up Kansas City Royals, let's raise up Jesus Royals, amen? I mean, if they come to the Royals, what kind of future is that? <laughs> 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 huh? They would rather have you go be a missionary to the Dominican Republic and you can play baseball with them and you can say, hey, by the way, don't sign that contract with the Kansas City Royals. Huh? Stay in the Dominican Republic and I'll train you to be a pastor and you can win all of Dominican Republic to Jesus and then you can cross over to Haiti, amen? And you can win Haiti to Christ. Huh? And then you can die as a martyr of Jesus Christ, amen? Wouldn't that be better than playing for the Kansas City Royals? <laughs> huh? According to the kingdom of God, right? So why have our young people today only cared about the things of the world? Why, why do teenagers only think about, oh, my college education, my money, my house, this, uh, you know, my video games, my subscription to Disney Plus and all that? You know, why do they think about this stuff? Because they've never been on fire for the gospel, amen? And that's why we're making Bibles over there, amen? So I'm going to finish with a couple more scriptures. Back to my notes. Now, here we go. The Apostle Paul taught us how to speak about our problems. It says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life, also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Now stop there. So this is how y'all need to speak. My, my main point today is how you speak is everything about your life. And how did Ruth speak? She says, I'm going to find grace when I go to work. How did Paul speak? He said, Hey, listen, I am troubled. Huh? Did you know that you can confess your trouble? That there's nobody here today that has no trouble. Amen. Like when we meet each other in the foyer and we say, hey, brother, hey, sister, how are you doing? And you say, I'm fine. No, you're not. You liar. You're not doing fine. Just it's okay to be honest in church, isn't it? You can say, you know what? I came to church today, but I'm troubled. You're troubled. What's wrong with you? (laughs) No, there's something right about you if you're troubled. Amen. You ought to be troubled. You know what the problem with some of you? You're not troubled. (laughs) Uh, You ought to get troubled, amen? You ought to get troubled about what Satan is doing in this world and in your family, right? Are you troubled about what Satan's doing in your family? No, I've just learned to tolerate that, right? Are you troubled about what Satan is doing in your school? Now, some of you go to high school, right? Are you troubled about what Satan is doing in your high school? Huh? Well, you're getting ready to start school next week, right? So you took the summer break where Satan, Satan takes a summer break too, right? No. Are you troubled about what Satan is doing in your in your community? Are you troubled about what Satan's doing in America? No, I've just learned to tolerate that. No, don't tolerate it. Hate it. You know, the only thing that you should hate is Satan, amen? Anything you get angry at, don't get angry at the people. Get angry at Satan and his demons who are behind the people, amen? You got to get so angry and so hateful towards that devil that it stirs you to action, amen? We ought to storm the gates of hell. Amen. What, because he, we're troubled. What is Paul troubled about? Paul's troubled about things of, the things that are attacking the kingdom of God. But he says, but I'm not distressed. So how many of you all can say, you're coming into the foyer saying, okay, how are you doing, brother? Oh, I feel, I'm stressed. Now that's See, that's where you need to change. You should never have stress. Amen. You should have trouble. Come into the church and say, oh, brother, pray with me. I got trouble. Yes, we're here for your troubles. Oh, brother, pray for me. I'm so stressed. Well, you're stressed because you're not walking with God. Amen. (laughs) Because what does Paul say? I'm walking with God. I got troubles, but I ain't got stress. Amen. So if you're walking with God, God takes care of your stress. But you still got the troubles, don't you? But what else? We are perplexed. Like... All the all the wrong things are happening. Like my life should be smooth. My life should work. I did everything right and everything turned out wrong. I'm perplexed. But some of us come into the foyer and we say, pray for me, brother. I'm in despair. What does that mean? I'm losing hope. If you're losing hope today, get the hope today. This is the time to get it right. Get right with God. Repent and say, God, I need to confess I am not in despair. I am not in despair. I'm perplexed. I'm really confused, but I still got hope. Amen. I can never lose my hope. Amen. Because I'm going to start talking like the Bible talks. Quit talking like your family talks and adopt a new vocabulary. Amen. Because he says, I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. And I'm cast down, but I'm not destroyed. But then look at this. Paul says, I'm unknown and yet I'm well known. I like that. See, some of y'all today, nobody knows what you're doing. You're very unknown, right? Now, me and Bethany, everybody knows us, right? Did you know that you being unknown is going to get a better reward than us being known, (laughs) right? Like if you do all your work for God in the background and you're a prayer warrior, huh? you know, today, you know, what me and Bethany are going to do today. After church, we're going to go to the house of Bobby Blaine. You guys know Bobby Blaine? She has not been able to leave the house for I don't know how long, but guess what? All the orphans that we've helped rescue and all the pastors that we've trained in India, Bobby Blaine's gonna get the reward for that. Why? And because Bobby Blaine has prayed for us when she can't do nothing but pray, amen? And what does she do? She prays and does she get the credit? No, and she doesn't, she doesn't I shouldn't have brought up her name. She doesn't want the credit, you know? You know What? Some of you are like bobby blaine. Nobody knows what you're doing, but you're serving god in the background You're a prayer warrior you serve in the church and you don't want anybody to notice you or maybe you do want people to notice you but that's okay because You're unknown, but you're what you're well known. Aren't you now? Who are you well known by people in heaven? They talk about you all the time, right? Those angels, right? The angels say hey, did you hear that sister praying? Right? All the angels know your prayers, don't they? And they say hey when that sister prayed, when the prayers of that woman the demons shudder when that woman prays amen and the angels are they, they know you're famous amen so what about the next one i'm dying but behold i live i'm chastened god is chastening me what does that mean discipline right god is disciplining me but guess what i'm not killed <laughs> god ain't done with me yet he ain't killed me <laughs> right You know, when God's done with you, you'll be in the grave, right? So if you're not in the grave today, God ain't done with you. He might be chasing you close to the grave, but he ain't done with you. He's going to bring you up and say, I've still got a work for you to do, right? Some of you old people, God still has a work for you to do, amen? But then, uh, this is my favorite one. He says, I'm sorrowful, what? Yet always rejoicing. Have you ever felt that way? That you're sad and, and happy at the same time? Can you be like that? Can you have sorrow and joy at the same time? You can, can't you, right? Sometimes young people can't experience that. Like you meet a young, like if you meet a 12 year old person, sometimes they're only joy or they're only sad, right? And they haven't learned that you can have that sorrow, but still have joy at the same time because you know Jesus Christ gives you that joy. Even though I have sorrow over my, like my human father who lives in Kansas City, My father doesn't believe in God. So I'm sad every day. I wake up every morning sad. Guys, I am depressed. But you can't tell it being preached today, can you? Right? I don't look very depressed. But did you know I woke up depressed this morning? Why? Because of my dad. Because my dad rejects God even after I'm serving God for 36 years. That makes me sad. That makes me depressed. But guess what? Joy, joy, joy. Jesus gives me joy. Amen? Do, Do you feel like that? Huh? Are you able to recover from your sadness very quickly? Because you're poor. How many of the people here are poor? <laughs> but even though you're poor, what are you doing? You're making many rich. You all know you can do that, right? You can make other people rich. You can have a get-rich-quick scheme in your life. If I open up the Bible and say, hey, listen, I'm not going to give you any money. I'm not going to promise you any business. But you get this Bible, you start discipling people, you're going to be rich spiritually even though you're going to lose your home you're going to lose your job you know you're going to be poor you know but you're going to disciple people amen i used to own a home i had a home on blue ridge i used to have a home like i could walk to the royals in the chief st- i used to do uh exercise around the chief stadium every single day because i lived up there but i had to sell my home and go to india amen and i had to live poor and the you know the support that i get people give me support to in- to serve in india I give most of the money to the Indians, right? Like I don't have any money for myself. I give it to the Indians, right? I'm poor, but guess what I'm doing? I'm making people rich, amen? I'm over there making people rich. I go into the slums of Bombay and I meet people living in the slums and we start a church right in the slum and you would meet these people living, they have no toilet, they have trash everywhere in their house, but guess what? They're millionaires, and they know it, too, because they are, they have joy in Jesus Christ. They don't care if they have no money. And then last, it says, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. I feel like everywhere I go, it belongs to me. I feel like when I come to Cass County, I say, this county is it's mine. This is mine. And then I, I live in Wyandotte County. I go back to Wyandotte County. say, this is mine. This is my county. But then when I go to India, I say, India belongs to me. And everywhere I go, did you know that people give me places to stay? Huh? I have homes. I don't have a home of my own, but I have. Everywhere I go, people give me a home. Amen. I have nothing, but I possess all things. So finally, I'm. I'm just meditating the psalm. I'm going to finish here today. That I taught two Wednesdays here. We had Wednesday Bible study, and I taught that the book of Psalms is spiritual medicine for your emotional problems and in the book of psalms every emotional problem that you'll ever have is there and you can start labeling the book of psalms and this is the longest chapter in the bible psalm chapter 119 i found you know what i found by studying the book of psalms i became a spiritual pharmacist i'm opening up a an apothecary shop for the spiritual heart amen and i found 28 pains to the soul 37 desperate pleas for help to obey God and 54 enthusiastic promises to obey. So because I don't have much time, I'm just going to read the portion at the end. Psalm 119, verse 161 to 165. And we're going to look at the medicine that we need as the church, the medicine that we need as a spiritual pharmacist. Because when you dig into the Psalms, you get a healing And here's the healing that you experience. In Psalm 119, And we're going to close. We're going to read this and we're going to pray today now. We're going to surrender. We're going to have a prayer together as a church and we're going to surrender to God. Psalm 119, verse 161. It says, Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of thy word. So there you have uh, one of the pains of the soul persecution right but you have the the uh the enthusiastic promise to obey the stand in awe is one of the enthusiastic promises to obey now put it back on the um on the uh notes again when i put the uh oh i'm sorry yeah right there the see we have 37 desperate pleas for help and 54 enthusiastic promises so let's let's find the promise, the enthusiasm, and the desperation plea. It says in verse 162, I rejoice at thy word as one that finds great spoil. So there's an enthusiasm. When I look at the Bible, I'm so rejoicing at the Bible, I'm finding treasure there. Huh? I'm so excited about the treasure that I'm finding in this book that I'm rejoicing every time I open this book That's an enthusiastic, one of the 54 enthusiasms of Psalm 119. So what I'm challenging you to do, this is your homework today. I want you to read the book of Psalms and ask two questions. What's the emotional problem? What's the pain of the soul that the psalmist is going through? But what is the medicine? What is the enthusiasm? What is the desperation of the medicine that God has weaved and planted medicine in every Psalm chapter? And you pull it out and you become you start labeling it, just like a pharmacist is labeling medicine bottles, right? You get this medicine bottle of psalms, and you get all these medicines together, and you get enthusiastic. Because the problem with some of y'all today is you're reading the Bible, but you're not enthusiastic enough, amen? How many of y'all are enthusiastic about the Bible? Well that Bible you know, it's kind of a boring book. You know, Brian Hedges is exciting. But then on Monday, it's not exciting. On Monday morning, Brian Hedges is exciting. But I'm not very excited on Monday morning when I read the Bible. Because you never experience what the Bible is. Amen. You never heard God speak to you from the Bible. Like jumping out of the page. And God says, hey, I'm giving you treasure. You should rejoice at this. And the next verse, it's uh, verse sixty one sixty 163. 163 says, I hate And abhor lying. So there's one of the pains of the soul. Lying. Lies all around you. But. Thy law do I love. There's an enthusiasm. Now here comes. Verse 164. Seven times a day. Do I praise thee. Because of thy righteous judgments. So now this is a practice y'all can do right. You have to get up in the morning. You have to have breakfast. You have to go to work. Okay. Read have the memorization of the word, like meditate in the word, read the word, and say, God, thank you. I'm rejoicing in your word. I hate going to work, but I love your word, amen? And when I get to work, say, Lord, thank you so much for this work, and I think of one more scripture. There could be seven times a day that you thank God for the Bible, amen? Because you're so enthusiastic. You're so enthusiastic about it. The next verse in verse 165, it says, great peace have they, Which love thy law and nothing shall offend them right because people come into the church. They say oh brother pray for me. I'm offended I got offended at this. I got offended. God says if you got peace from god, you'll never be offended anymore Amen, because you'll be so charged up. Nothing can stop you. There's no offense that can stop you Verse 166 lord. I have hoped for thy salvation and i've done your commandments My soul has kept your testimonies and I love them Exceedingly. I have kept your precepts and your testimonies from all my ways are before, before thee. So we're going to stop that prayer. God says his testimonies, his words are exposing your ways. Your, the way you live your life is exposed before God. And God says, I'm going to pour my precepts into your life and your ways are no longer going to be your ways. It's going to be God's ways. So I want you to pray with me today as I, I'm looking at uh, a map of India, I'm going to go back to India in two weeks. And as I go back to India, I'm going to keep praying for you. And I'm going to be watching online. I'm going to be watching Pastor Brian Hedges preach online. And I'm going to be praying for you as Pastor Brian is preaching, keep responding to what you're learning in the Bible. Keep being involved in discipleship and get enthusiastic. I think Pastor Brian would probably appreciate if y'all would be a little bit more enthusiastic. Amen. <laughs> Come on. I think Pastor Brian would be a little bit discouraged if he had a congregation of people who said, amen, Pastor Brian, right? Okay, Pastor Brian, another Bible conference in September. We've done it many times. Hey, how many people are enthusiastic about Bible conference? Amen. How many people are enthusiastic about selling their house and moving to Mexico? Amen. No. How many people are enthusiastic about the young You know what we have in this church that's like an incredible treasure? We got a bunch of young people in this church. How many of you are enthusiastic about helping the young people in this church? Amen. You are. I know you are. I know you are. Every one of y'all are so involved in helping the young people. And I believe God's going to honor your prayer. The young people in this church are going to be a new generation that's going to shock America. Because most young people in America are what? Not serving God. But guess what? The young people from this church are going to shock the world. And people all over Missouri, people are going to say, did you hear about those young people from Heartland Baptist in Harrisonville? Man, they got young people in that church. They're up and serving God everywhere, right? How did they do that? Well, they had a lot of, of the adults in that church invested their time and love and prayers into those kids. And those kids turned out. To serve Jesus Christ. Amen. Is that your prayer today? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father God, I pray for anyone who's hurting today. There's some people... Here-